Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Influence Accelerator Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates. In each episode, I interview one of the financial service industry's top performers to learn their secrets to sustain success. These short interviews will get right to the heart of what each top advisor is doing to acquire more right fit clients. You'll be reminded, renewed, and inspired to take powerful action. You'll impact more lives and increase your income at the same time. Now, on to the show. How many times have you been told that targeting a narrow market could be a boon to your business? Now, if you've been considering a target market, then perhaps this interview will tip the scales for you in that direction. If you've already discovered the value of a target market, I hope the show provides ideas that you can use to further your success. So with me today is Adam Schmela. Adam has been a financial advisor for 13 years. Uh, in this episode of Top Advisor Podcast, Adam and I will be discussing how his decision to focus on the target market of optometrists has brought him to an extraordinary high level of success. Adam Schmela, welcome to Top Advisor Podcast. Thank you very much, Bill. Happy to be here. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, you bet. I, I've been looking forward to this for a while because uh, you and I spoke uh, over a year ago, I think just as COVID was happening, and uh, I was fascinated by your story. I've shared it with, in my blog a little bit already. Um, I probably owe you a royalty for sending <laughs> you from the, from the platform from time to time. Uh, but before we get into the topic of hand, just give us a quick overview of your business so we, you know everyone listening can get a context of, of what you've been doing. Yeah. So I'm a, a third generation business owner. I've been doing this now, like you said, for 13 years. Uh, we're an RAA located in Carmel, Indiana, north suburb of Indianapolis. Um, we have a team of two. So I'm the advisor. I have a full-time office manager. And we're actually at the time of this recording at the late stages of interviewing to bring on another full-time or uh, basically our first full-time lead slash service advisor to candidly just handle the flow of existing and new, uh, new clients that we're bringing into the firm. Yeah, that's great. I, and I know you've created a reputation for yourself in, in your industry, and we'll talk about that, that as we go. So you made a decision uh, three, four years ago. You can elaborate on to target a market. I know you started with what you told me you called white coat professionals. So maybe we can start there. Why, why did you decide to target? Why start with the quote unquote white coat professionals? And then what made you move to optometry? Well, the focus on the white coat, well, first of all, you're, you're right in the sense mm -hmm. that the, so eight years or so before that, uh, my first eight years in the business, I was a master of the ones, right? Just mm -hmm. as a lot of advisors are, you have a client in this profession, a client in this profession, your first year, you know, the last client that you brought on was 56 and almost retired. The next one is 33 kids in the whole nine yards, right? It was, it was just a, a, a dysfunctionally functional practice. So I knew I had to do something, but the scarcity factor was still a relatively, uh, was at a relatively high, uh, measure, if you will. And so I thought, well, I can't get so targeted that I alienate 99% of the individuals. So why don't I find this happy medium here and do white coats? So it was initially optometrists, dentists, pharmacists, and physicians. And those, so if you, if you had OD, MD, DDS, or PharmD after your name, you were going to be an ideal client for us, which in theory worked really well because from a planning standpoint, they're all similar. Um, 
but but what I what I realized in that while the service side of that was somewhat scalable once they became a client, the prospecting side of it was really really difficult because at this time, I was still only one advisor, and as soon as I got asked to present at a dentistry meeting, then I'd lose focus and initiative and momentum in the optometry space. And if I wrote an optometry article, then I it was hard to repurpose that in the pharmacy space because the pharmacists that I were that I was working with were with CVS, and so. And there, there wasn't a lot of cross-pollination that it would exist between the content that I was creating. So I never really got a lot of momentum behind those four markets. So I was, I was making progress, but treading water, if you will, not really surfing to use a water metaphor there. <laughs> so, so yeah, you, it was almost like starting four different businesses in a sense, yeah. right? Because you had four different niches within which you were trying to create a reputation and it's hard to sustain that. It is. Uh, and, and in hindsight, what I real like, and this is, this is probably the biggest thing that I can, every opportunity, every platform like yours that I have the privilege to come on and share my story with what I would just get on a mountaintop with a bullhorn and, and, and share with every advisor listening is the biggest point of clarity has happened when I've observed that there's a paradoxical effect that happens in the narrower that you take your ideal avatar, the more and the bigger the opportunities start to show up. It doesn't happen in 30 days. It doesn't happen in two weeks. It might not even happen in six months, but when you get very clear, convicted, and confident in who you do your best work with, create that avatar qualitatively and quantitatively, and then focus 100% of your messaging to that audience you can't help but attract those people to you. And yes. then the biggest, the, the biggest challenge is the stress of success, right? In keeping up with the flow, <laughs> which is again, high quality and good problems to have. It, it's a good stress uh, and it can be stressful. I mean, it's like you're almost quoting from my book, Radical Relevance. Although I know you had decided this long before I wrote the book, it, it's just, you're right. It is a, an inverse effect. The more narrow your focus, the, the better your results because your messaging becomes more precise, doesn't it? Yeah, you're, you're, you're shooting with a, with a rifle instead of a shotgun. Yeah, you're saying the right thing. So, all right, so white coat professionals, optometrists, uh, pharmacists, dentists, doctors, physicians. And then you decided you needed to focus. Now, there was something that kind of tipped the scales towards optometrists that you should probably reveal at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll reveal it, and, and but in the same breath, I will say that it's not as big of a deal as what I think people put it out to be. My wife is an optometrist, mm -hmm. okay? We're recording this mid-2021. Candidly, I will be surprised if she's still a practicing optometrist by the end of the year. She's a part-time optometrist. She doesn't own her own practice. She works in a LASIK surgical center. So she does pre and post-op uh, refractive surgical consults and, and pre and post case prep. So she's not, we don't own her own practice. She's, she hasn't been in private practice in many years. Um, you know, optometry is, is not a big part of her life. So yes, by definition, I mean, I have it on my website. Yes. I'm married to optometry, which from a messaging standpoint, That's I get great. does. Give I, I me, think it's great. I, yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. It, it gives me a little bit of a, of a differentiating factor, but, and the reason that I pause there is because I've heard, I've heard advisors use that excuse. Oh, well you target optometrists because you're married to one must be easy. And I'm like, that that's, that's just your own head trash. That's just your own mm -hmm. that rationalization of why you can't do this. And I will say that it does not matter to the ODs that we work with that my wife is an optometrist because they know like they can do their own research, which they do by the way, before they reach out to us, they research me, they research the firm. They look up my wife. She knows we, 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 have, we look at her LinkedIn profile, how many hits that she gets. So they know that mm -hmm. we know that people are looking at her profile 
and it says on there what she does. So they know coming into it that we don't own our own practice. So I, I, yes, I want to give that disclaimer that I am married to an optometrist, which does make me a little bit different, but it's not what I hang my hat on and as to why I've been and why we as a firm have been successful in positioning ourselves as the firm for optometrists nationwide. So question, uh, obviously, I mean, it, and we'll talk about this as we go, it, you bring more value to the optometrists because you get to know their world in a way that a generalist wouldn't. Uh, but my guess is you get to know their world beyond just the financial part of it, right? Do you, have you become a bit of a curator of other best practices? Do you see what other optometrists are doing to be successful, to solve problems? And without revealing confidences and proprietary information, do you kind of bring that along with you? As I'm, you not, work? I'm not smart enough to have any proprietary information. Let's just, <laughs> let's just be. Let's well, just. I'm talking about their proprietary information. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, to an extent. So I, mm -hmm. I kind of had this epiphany, um, the, the, this, this idea whacked me upside the head on a run a couple of weeks ago. And, and, it, and it hit me so much that I remembered it and I wrote it down. And it's kind of been something that has helped solve my own imposter syndrome for lack of a better word, because I, I still have this feeling of I'm not that big of a deal. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't invent something here. I did like, like I said, in, in all seriousness, I don't have any proprietary information. I'm not doing anything massively special. So the thought that I had and how I refined this down, and I think a lot of advisors should candidly listen to this and, 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 and reflect on this. So the additional knowledge that I've learned about my niche as an advisor isn't a huge amount of additional knowledge, but it's the specific and right kind of knowledge to make a huge difference to my niche. Oh, I like that. Say, say that again. So the additional knowledge that I've learned about my niche as an advisor isn't a huge amount of additional knowledge, but it's the specific and right kind of knowledge to make a huge difference to my niche. It's the plumber that taps the, you know, the pipes and charges $300 because he knew where Correct. to tap. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's the hammer, right? The, the, the story of uh, fixing yeah, the squeaky, exactly. you know, uh, the nail costs, the nail costs a dollar. My service and expertise was $99 or whatever yeah. that it, yeah. because I, what we do for ODs and you're right, anecdotally in the conversations that we have with our clients. I mean, I've, I've had uh, just the other day, I had a call, I had a call with a prospective client who was wondering about their Saturdays because some OD practices are open on Saturday morning. Some, some weren't. I said, well, you know, interestingly enough, I was just reviewing that with another one of our clients in, uh, in Illinois. And we were looking at their mm -hmm. revenue per Saturday and they had some Saturdays that it was $1,500 and other Saturday mornings where they did $5,000. So we're still, you know, I'm not a practice management consultant. Consultant, though, and I tell ODs very early on, if you're hiring me because of my expertise in optometry, you're hiring me for the wrong reasons. <laughs> but they probably love to hear what other people are, you know, correct. I'm sure they say, Adam, what have you seen? Right. Correct. Um, correct. It, ha it happens to me. I know that. So all right, let's talk about benefits. I mean, let's get some nitty gritty benefits of, of, of choosing this market. Oh, actually, before I go there, you uh, we got to go to your bullseye because we'll, we'll call your target, <laughs> your target market optometrist, uh, 37,000 optometrists in this country. And I know you're not just local in, in Carmel, Indiana and Indianapolis, you're across the country, uh, which I'd, I'd love you to talk about, but you, you, you have a bullseye, you have a very specific type of optometrist, uh, who you serve. Could you please talk about that and Absolutely. how you got there, how you got to that bullseye. <laughs> so the, the, the common denominator or the theme behind this, this, the next couple of nuggets of information are going to be, uh, we're still building the airplane as we fly it. 
So okay. we're still inventing this business model and this, the, the, this modality of practice and how we serve ODs as we, as we, as we get our experience. So currently we serve clients in 26 states, uh, out of all the clients that we brought on through the pandemic, only one of them was in Indiana. Everybody else was all over the country, mm-hmm. which maybe is a different conversation from my local presence, but we can talk about that at a different time <laughs> <laughs> or maybe lack thereof. Um, the, the two different bullseyes that we have now, I'm kind of refined it down into two. The first one is, uh, we work with, we work with optometrists that are within five years of selling their practice to a private equity firm. And then the second are optometrists that have owned their practice for at least five years and are doing at least 1.5 million in top line revenue. Those are the two sweet spots that we've identified where we can do some really, really good work on the planning side of things and provide a lot of massive value to the clients at each of their respective stages of their personal and professional life. And, and, and how did you get to that decision? In other words, did it just kind of reveal itself or yeah. were you looking for it? How did that happen? I wasn't, well, I was looking for it and we'll, and we'll get to this towards the, towards the end of our conversation when mm-hmm. I, when I kind of ask you your question, but what sure. we started identifying is I was having conversations with ODs that I really enjoyed working with and that we were doing a lot of really awesome work for. And then I'd have ODs that I, that I'd work with that were, yes, they were, in our target market by definition, and by definition, they had OD after their name. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was nothing else fundamentally different about them than any other client, right? They were new grads. They were uh, employees at America's Best Optometry or Eyeglass World or something like that, right? There wasn't anything, there wasn't, to quote Dan Sullivan with Strategic Coach, right? There wasn't any unique ability that we were able to bring to the table that otherwise differ- differentiated us or differentiated them, excuse me, from any other advisor's target market. I tell prospective clients that fit our, that fit our ideal client profile, what makes us different than any other advisor out there is that what other advisors think of as world-class planning is absolute table stakes for us. What separates us from every other advisor is that we know what questions to ask you and strategies to consider that neither you nor your advisor knew how to ask or what to ask because we know the business of optometry so well. I love that. That's just, that's beautiful. I hope everybody rewinds that and hears that again, because that, that's, that is a pure differentiator statement that has meaning and teeth to it. Um, And you don't know what you don't know. Your other standard generic advisors don't know what they don't know. Right. And that's what you bring to the table. And, and from a pure comprehensive financial planning standpoint, right? If we take the CFP boards, I'm a CFP professional. So if we take the CFP board financial planning standards and I look at the clients that we've brought on um, in the last year, we've seen some pretty good financial plans by definition, right? Mm. But there are other things that they should have been considering that they should have been doing that doesn't make what the advisor was doing wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just, we can do it better. They did it good. We can do it better. There's so gaps, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, all right. So now, now into client acquisition, how, how has this enhanced your ability to acquire clients? Uh, and, and what have you, what have you, um, I mean, are you, are you just naturally getting more referrals just because of the value that you bring? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So we've gone from a, uh, from a pull to a, pu- or from a push to a pull, right. Where mm-hmm. we're just, we're just attracting people into the firm instead of having to chase them. Uh, nice. we predominantly do that through three different when we screen, we check for all that, or we, we, we capture that data during our uh, triage process. 
So what we do is we're, we're predominantly getting people through three mediums, the podcast we've, I, I launched 2020 money podcast back in 2018. It was originally branded to dose, right? That's when I still had the four target markets. And we, we very quickly realized that was not to digress too far, but that was one of the catalysts that made me realize, gosh, I really need to take this thing narrow because as soon as I did a podcast episode on dental practices, any physician, pharmacist, or dentist, or a, you know, optometrist that was listening stop listening. Right. And, mm -hmm. and in content creation, consistency is key. There's some alliteration for you on a, on a morning recording. And so <laughs> I wanted to make sure that the listeners of the podcast consistently came back to the well for the information. And the only way that I knew how to do that right, wrong, or indifferent was to just get extremely narrow focused on the content. So we rebranded the dose to 2020 money. Mm -hmm. So uh, perspective relationships are coming through the podcast. They're coming through the writing that I do. I write for a couple of optometry publications nationwide that's been going on for years. And then I am now officially a paid speaker on the optometry circuit as well. I have a couple of continuing education approved courses that I teach at vision expo and a couple of other national, um, that I've spoken at state associations. I get involved in those meetings. So it's those three, um, mediums that they're coming through. And then to your point, the the referrals every now and then that still trickle in those. I, I, I lump those into two different uh, categories because I can be proactive on the content creation, the referrals. Maybe you would challenge me on this and I, I'd welcome that. But those feel a little bit more reactive in that I'm not actively soliciting clients for referrals. I'm not, I don't have a referral generation program or conversation or process for our clients. That's purely uh, passive. Right. Understood. And, and, Look, you can build a 100% referral-based business. I talk to people who've done it all the time. The key, and, and you can do it without asking, as long as you're getting enough of the right kind of people, right? That's yeah. the key. Uh, so I, I, I often call what you're doing, you know, you, you've kind of gone from that push prospecting to attraction marketing. Sometimes I call this reputation marketing. So in about 30 seconds, I want to ask you a little more about this concept. I want to dig into this podcast that you're doing a little bit more because I know that's becoming more popular among advisors. But first, let's hear a quick word from our great sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. We help you sell less and advise more by turning you into a recognized subject matter authority. Visit us at proudmouth.com to learn more about our Influence Accelerator services. All right, I'm back with Adam Schmela. We're talking about uh, targeting a niche market, reputation marketing, as I promised, to optometrists who want to sell their business within five years. Let me see if I got this right, Adam. Or have been in business for at least five years and are doing top-line revenue of at least $1.000,000 a year own their own practice for and the last five years, yeah. whether wow. there was a cold start. I, I, I tell, I tell ODs that you're, you're, you're past the survive and into the thrive mode of practice mm -hmm. ownership. Mm -hmm. So you, you're going from survive to thrive, or you've bought a practice from a senior doctor that, that retired, they're out of the picture. You're not, you now have the reins because we'll see buy-ins that have sometimes usually, well, not to digress on that path too far, but I want them to be the sole owner of the practice in a succession plan and be at the helm of the practice sure. and have a couple of years reps worth of ownership under them to where the cash flow is now consistent. Right. So you you talked about the things that you've done to create a reputation. You, you write, you have the podcast, uh, you speak at events. Uh, let's focus on the podcast just for a few seconds here or minutes. Uh, tell us about that. Um, 
how is that working? How does that benefit you? Who do you interview or do you interview or do you just talk, you know, your own stuff? Uh, what does that look like? 20, 2020 Money Podcast is the name too. By the way. Yep. 2020 Money, not the year 2020, even though 2020 right. was supposed to be the year of optometrists. Right? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> optometrists got a raw deal in 2020, right? I mean, I that was the year of optometry, refracting down your vision to 2020. So yes, it's 20 uh, slash yeah. 20, right? Because mm-hmm. having perfect vision is seeing 2020 that's 2020 corrected acuity mm-hmm. so i'm the the podcast is branded in a way that they understand and they resonate sure. so 2020 money refracting down to perfect acuity uh corrected acuity that's the whole idea of the podcast to help optometrists mm-hmm. make the best and educated uh the, the most informed and educated decision with their money personally and professionally i am unapologetic in the podcast in letting ods know that we work with optometrists around the country it's in every single introduction it's in every outro i know there's varying schools of thought out there some advisors that i know that have done their podcast have done it completely educational and they really if if you're an audience member not really all the wiser you may not even know that that advisor runs an raa or runs a firm and is looking to bring on clients i'm unapologetic about them because i'm absolutely convicted in the work that we do and ODs that don't work with us are missing out on the value that we could be delivering to them. So I want them to know that we do great work and that we do it for, for the select type of optometrists that we work with around the country. So we have that in the introduction. We do a weekly episode. We've done a weekly episode ever since the spring of 2019, I think is when we went to a weekly episode. So we're at episode 131 right now, I think mid one thirties, um, The format is anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes long. Uh, It's about 75% interviews and 25% solo episodes. The 75% interviews uh, range guests that are specific to optometry, uh, or excuse me, specific to like financial planning. Like I've had someone that's come on and we've talked about retirement plan construction for an optometric practice. So I'll bring on a qualified plan advisor. I brought on pension consultants to identify how cash balance plans work in an optometry practice. So we'll bring in resident experts that can talk about financial planning concepts and put that through the lens. See what I did there, right? Put that through the lens (laughs) of how it applies to an optometry practice. And then I'll bring on you know, just I, I just recorded an episode yesterday, and I'm doing another one today with uh, with a gentleman that's a one of the most pr- uh, well known practice management consultants in the optometry space. Mm. And so we'll talk about the practice management concepts because here's the method that I here, here's how I've approached the podcast. If I can help them run a better, higher producing, higher profitable practice, that just gives us the the that gives us the dry powder right from a planning standpoint sure. what's the common denominator in every single financial planning strategy concept or tool that you look to use it's cash flow everything comes down to cash flow so the podcast is meant to help optometrists increase both top line revenue and hang on to that revenue through net income of the practice once i tell ods once it hits the balance sheet the statement of the statement of cash flow and the profit loss now you're in my sandbox but i'm going to bring in all these other resources that can help you up level your practice so that when we do get to my sandbox and we get to the personal and business planning concepts we have the cash flow there to do some pretty amazing things does that make sense yeah it makes perfect sense uh and i love we could probably do the uh the vision glasses, 2020 lens puns, uh, you know, for the next all day long, we'll we'll spare everyone. Uh, my, my father and I used to drive my mother crazy 
just doing puns back and forth when we, when I was younger <laughs> and she's, you know, uh, so anyway, uh, so th th let's talk real quick about this, the speaking thing, cause uh, getting paid to speak. I actually am going to be interviewing a guest, Malcolm Etheridge coming up who also totally different market, totally different business model in a lot of ways, but is now getting paid to speak. So in a sense, you're getting paid to speak in front of prospects. Are you not? Correct. Correct. Yeah. When I was just down at, uh, down at vision expo in Orlando a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I gave a presentation on efficient, uh, efficiently planning for practice succession. So I had a room full of my ideal clients, right. Or my ideal mm -hmm. prospects. And one of the ODs that came up to me runs a 15 doctor eight location practice. And he's in, he's in conversations with a private equity firm to sell for anywhere between 15 to $20 million. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, you talked about some really good things. We do a strategic retreat. Would you be interested in talking to us about that? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right in my wheelhouse, right? <laughs> so you just never know. It, it, it's this fishing concept, right? Fish with the right kind of bait, attract the right type of fish. And every you do well by doing good work. Right. And you get paid a little to, to boot to yeah. cover your costs and everything as well. And heck, you might get paid to do this, help him with his retreat. And then they hire you as a... Yeah financial advisor, right? It's I've like, had a number of ODs ask, Hey, add up. Cause they, they know that I'm involved in a mastermind group. And they're like, would you ever want, would you ever think about helping us start a mastermind group for ODs? Can you get some of your clients together to do a mastermind? I said, it's on the roadmap. It's let me get that advisor in here to free up my time. And it's on right, the roadmap. Right. All kinds of other, uh, other ways. And that's, I, to me, that's what happens when you target a market like this, you, you know, you solve certain problems, you discover other problems that they have, and you can be a resource for them in different ways, if, if it works, if it fits, if it makes sense, or you have someone you could refer them to, right? Uh, yep. And you could get a piece of that business or not get a piece of that business, it doesn't really matter. Um, so, man, this is this is great. Uh, I, I, I want to kind of uh, ask you a question I like to ask all my guests. And, and because all of this is about growing our business, but it's also about growing as individuals. And so think back over the last 12 months, or if you want to take the pandemic, the last 18 months, give or take, you know, what have you learned about this business? What have you learned about, uh, about yourself uh, that you'd like to share right now? So there's, there's two things very related to one another. The first is to just be aware. Uh, I have to give a fair amount of credit to the coach that I've been working with, Stephanie Bogan, and my involvement in the Limitless Advisor Coaching Program. P part of the catalyst for going into the optometry space was mm -hmm. due to Stephanie just it passively saying, and Adam works with optometrists. And, and, and in, at that time, I was still on the white coat side of things. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, no, but I also work with dentists and physicians. And, mm -hmm. and, and But she just kept, and she didn't know that she was doing this. She was just making one subtle point. But I just kept thinking about, gosh, what would the business look like if I did just optometry? And then I just kept pulling at that, pulling at the, the, the thread of that sweater and just unraveling and seeing the opportunity. And then I, I just started taking taking action on those ideas, getting momentum behind that, right? Before confidence, you have to have courage to do those things. Mm -hmm. And I just, I had the support of a tribe behind me. I had Stephanie's help and, 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 and getting clarity around that. And, and the limitless program has been, has, has been a great platform to share in those successes. The other thing that has happened because of that, 
the stress of success is real and the inefficiencies of time management will come to haunt you if you don't put guardrails around your time. Mm. So one of the epiphanies that I've had as more and more and bigger opportunities have come up is that with every new thing that you say yes to in your life, you must understand what are you currently going to say no to? Because all of our time is allotted uh, is, is already accounted for some of it intentional, some of it passive with every new yes, with every new commitment that you say you had, just be cognizant of what you're trading off either explicitly or implicitly by saying yes. And that's something that I'm still working through and, 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 and being cognizant of. So in that, that tug, uh, that, that, uh, to, to, uh, move away from white coats, all the four different professions, somewhat related, but really different in a lot of ways, uh, to just focusing optometrists, what was the concern, the fear, the doubt, the, you know, what, what kept you from going there initially, you think, was it like not, not enough, not big enough? Help me understand that. Yeah. So the, the, the part, the first part of it, which turned out to be not a fear at all, or which turned out to be not a real thing at all right. was, oh my gosh, if I rebrand the firm, all of my non-optometry clients are going to leave me. And that the, the one mistake that I made is that I wasn't as proactive enough as I should have been with, I took it for granted that our clients, that it wouldn't really matter to them. And we actually did lose one relationship because of that. They just said, I saw we were taking the firm. We're not no D we're just afraid that we're not going to be, uh, that, that, that we're not going to be the right fit for you anymore. We have another advisor. That's a friend of ours, blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and they parted away. So I, in hindsight, I should have done a much better job of, proactively messaging the intentions with our existing clients, because here's the thing I was telling them in the review meetings. And, and as I was having conversations and the common denominator, the, the, the feedback that I heard from all of them was great. We're so happy for you. That's awesome. I love the success that you're having. Just don't forget about us, right? You may have many clients, Adam, but you're our only one. So that was, that was the one falsehood that I had in my mind or, or, or belief, mm -hmm. wrong belief. And then the other part of it was that when I finally sat down and did the math and realized that there are given the numbers, 37 to 40,000 optometrists nationwide, I need 150 mm -hmm. to create a wildly successful practice and a life that I love. Those are pretty good odds. Yeah. Right. So could I find 150 people nationwide out of a pool of 40, let's call it 30, 38,000 that believe in the work that I'm doing, share the same core values and principles and align philosophically on our investing in, in money beliefs. Yeah, I think I can do that. So when I, when you, when I finally did the math, it's like, oh, this isn't, it's not that scary now to say no to 99.93% of the general public. Good. So I understand uh, you have a question for me. I do. So interesting on that, on, on that thread, one mm -hmm. of the things that I've realized in building brand equity in a, in a very tight knit community like that is that, and with the content creation approach that I've been doing is that you attract, yes, we are attracting some great clients and some great relationships, but we're also attracting people that we've identified and now realize aren't necessarily our ideal client, right? We're attracting optometrists that aren't that they're new graduates, they're ODs with below target top line revenue in their practice, cold start practices. And so I'm open to ideas on how we can still provide value to them when they land on our website, while also letting them know who we do our best work for and not feeling like the, the traditional advisor of, oh, hey, you don't have enough money, come back to us when you're rich enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I get this question all the time, even from people who don't target a specific market, but still want 
in segment clients, right? They want the right fit client. You call it avatar. Some people call it persona. I call it right fit. Uh, same basic idea. So there's a few things and no, no magic bullet here. A few things you probably uh, thought about. Um, number one, to, like you mentioned earlier, to not be apologetic, right? This is who we serve the best. This is who our processes are geared for. Um, it's not, it, it's the, there's a difference between being advisor focused and client focused. So you could say, this is who we're looking for. That's proper, improper English. I hear my mother talking to me. <laughs> uh, and uh, versus these are the folks we serve the best. These are the situations where we do our best work. These are the, you know, our processes are geared. So we make it about them, right? We always want to do the right thing for the prospect, the client. So if it's a not, not the right fit, then, then it's not right for them as well as not right for us. So being unapologetic and, and really in how you frame it on your website. So if you uh, it could say, here's who we serve the best. It could be two places you click, right? If you're uh, you know, thinking about or on track to sell your business within five years, click here. If you've been in business five years, blah, 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 click here. Everyone else click here. So you could still have a landing page for these folks. Yeah. Uh, and then you have, I know you were talking about doing an online course with some of the basics to help them get to that place. So you can still help them, but it's, it's, it's pretty passive. Uh, it doesn't take up your time. I think all, you know, obviously on your show, just wherever you think about describing, always think about using the language that's going to send that very clear message. This is who we serve the best. This is who our processes are geared towards. Uh, and then, um, maybe some sort of a hoop that they jump through, if you will, whether it's a little bit of an assessment, um, you know, just as, as we have clients do little assessments to figure out the gap in their, uh, their life and their plan, you have a bit of an assessment that could show the gap and could show, they almost self-qualify out yeah, yeah. Right? That's because a good point. they haven't done certain things. Um, and so you still may get an occasional call or you still may get occasional something, but, and, and having an assistant to screen say, look, we want to be, uh, we want to be the best use of your time as well as Adam's time. So let's, let's, you know, maybe have an assistant, have a little bit of preview uh, interview or something like that. To make yeah, that's sure. interesting because we do a warm up call after they schedule a triage, Kathy calls and does an intro call. We might actually, that's a good idea, Bill. We'll go back and look at that script and see if there are a few more qualifying questions that she can ask in that time, rather than quote unquote, just the Adam's looking, looking forward to talking with you. Are there any other things that are top of mind that you want to make sure that Adam discusses with you? Yeah. And set, uh, so instead of her job to qualify and sell them on meeting with you her job is to protect your time yeah. and right and her job she is does to, a really good job of already i'm sure she that. does and her job is to is also to protect the time of that prospect right yeah, yeah. i mean if their you time think is about valuable what's too. right for the prospect yeah to get on the phone and talk to you about this not really so let's serve them in some way written reports, online course. Like, yeah. Let's help these folks. Yeah. Let's be nice and all that. And not your time. So good point. Good tip. Yeah. Good, good. Adam, since we know that ideas are worthless without taking action, can you leave us with an action step? Yes. Yeah, so the biggest question that I get from advisors is where do I begin and how do I identify what target market? And I always say, start with your ideal client, go through your client list right now and identify 
who do you who lights up who who lights you up when you see an email from them or the phone ring and and you have to return that call and go where they are they like people associate with like people start with your client base and figure out how you can fish in the same pond that they swim in that's the best place that i can say to start if you're if you're really at square one of trying to identify a target market start with your start with the ideal client already in your book yeah. Who lights you up? All you need is one. And from there, you can learn about where you want to go and how to swim in their pond. So yep. Andrew Smela, thanks again for being with us. And thanks everybody for listening to another episode of Top Advisor Podcast. This is Bill Cates, and you've been listening to the Top Advisor Podcast sponsored by Proudmouth. Be sure to click the subscribe button so you don't miss the latest show. And feel free to share this and other episodes with your colleagues. And if you want to learn more about the work I do with other top advisors, just go to referralcoach.com.